Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad all of you are here, and I want to thank you. I was, um, had a dream again. I was preaching last night, and I was on. I was on, and none of y'all were here. It was just an empty place. And, uh, so I'm glad you're here this morning. It wasn't a dream come true. You can look in the worship guide. There are several things, but I would say, ladies, today's the last day for the church, not the last day to buy tickets, but the last day for the church to have priority on the tickets for the Kelly Mentor um, um, event. If, after this, we're opening it to the public. So if you want to go, please um, go. If you, if you need a scholarship, let us know. Um, and over in NPR, and also I think right by the office will be somebody to help you get those tickets if you, if you need help with that. You can see all the other things. Please, let's get behind the Valentine's bag for the veterans. And, and then also you see um, about the, the women's ministry event coming up with a well. And then also the Sons of Thunder event coming up where Todd Jones will be speaking and chili cook-off. And so you can see all that. But we're glad you're here and want to welcome you. You have already welcomed each other. And so I want to leave it at that. But I, I just want us to, to, to remind, ask you to do one thing before we start. There's a big gambling bill coming up um, this week in the state legislature. Um, it's going to bring in 10 casinos where they're going to spend over $350 million bringing casinos into our state. They don't spend that kind of money if they're not expected to make a lot of money. They're going to open up a lottery, and they're also going to open up sports gambling. You need to let your state representative know what you feel about it. ALCAP told us this week at a state board meeting that all the state legislators say, we hear from people who want it, but we're not hearing from any church members. Please call and let them know. If you're in favor of all that, then just don't call them, and please. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I want to encourage you with, with our representative with Wood and then um, Judge Hill and others who are state representatives here in our, in our county. Please call them and let them know what you think about it. We don't need that in our state, and, um, and I hope that you agree with me on that. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about why I believe that's the case. But let's move on to something that's um, more, not more important, but important. Um, it is just as important. Let's look at the Word of God as we do our call to worship. Straight out of the Psalms, and um, what a passage. Read it with me. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, and then we'll have our scripture reading. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can worship you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would truly cause us to yearn for you today. As a deer pants for water, may we yearn for your presence. As we sing today, may we sing with loud praises. You have done much for us, and we give you glory for it and thanks for it. You have blessed us. There is much for us to rejoice in today, so help us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Gary, come read our scripture. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, verses 31, um, chapter 5, verses 31 through 37. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, as you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not witness falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
and do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Stand and turn to hymn number one. Praise to the Lord the Almighty.
God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please turn to hymn number 68 as we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Why are you turning? She slipped out to go to the library, but I've been looking for an opportunity to ask you to do something as a church. Um, Sandra Frost, as you know, is retiring as our um, financial secretary. She's done an incredible job over these last 18 years in our church. And, um, and we had a, a luncheon for her with with the staff and the counters and the finance committee and others, but I want to encourage you to, to write her a note, to drop her a card, to put a gift card in, and some type of gift to show her your appreciation. Let her know how much you appreciate all that she's done. Ashley Harden has been training, um, Sandra's been training her this time and going to continue to work a little bit with us in the month of February to help her get settled, but, but I just want you um, to, just this moment, to to, to encourage you to let her know how much 
you appreciate what she's done for our church and continues to do for our church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Before we pray, um, God answered our prayers with baby Camille. Um, they just had win after win after win with that little girl with the blood, uh, with the, with the um, heart valve replacement. And um, so thank you for your prayers. The family has asked me to thank you for your prayers for her. And just keep praying and lifting her up. But let's pray together. Would you join me? Father, we come before you and we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for for long service that we see in this church with our pastor emeritus who served so long faithfully and, and with Rachel and with, with um, Sandra and, and, and our staff. Lord, I thank you for our student minister who's been here 22 years, for an education minister and children's minister and so many others who, who minister year after year, for Ronnie who's who's continually leading us to your throne with these songs today. Thank you for him, God. We give you praise and we give you glory. We give you honor for what you've done. We, we thank you, Lord, for our, your answered prayers um, to, to uh, the little baby Camille. And we ask that you would continue to be with little Millie and bless her, God. Strengthen her. You know the other needs that are in this room. You know the great needs that we have in our state in our country, and we lift them to you, Father, and we pray that you would revive your church, that we would be the people you've called us to be. Bless now the reading and the preaching of your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We, we looked at verses 6 and 7 last week of chapter 2. We turn our attention now to verses 8 through 10. If you would, just follow along with me. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Look at that again. For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. I think over the years, the, one of the more heartbreaking things that we deal with as a church is, is watching those who have come to faith in Christ, those who have been baptized in the waters here behind me, front of you, those who have grown in faith and then they seem to walk away. Oftentimes they, they go to college or maybe they get to work and they get around someone who, who doesn't believe in God. It may be a professor who, who's an atheist or, or, or a co-worker who's an atheist and they begin to teach things and say things and and so those who have grown up in the faith began to read what I would call the naysayers. They began to read the atheists and, and those who claim to be experts. And maybe they get into a philosophy class or maybe a science class that tries to unravel everything they've ever believed in. And one of the problems with this is, is as bad as that is, is, is that when, when their faith begins to be attacked... Rather than doing true study, rather than giving due diligence to the Word of God, they, they begin just to look at the other side. They begin to look at the counterfeit Gospels, and they start, stop studying the real thing. I've said it over and over again, the Bible's big enough for our questions. We can come to the Word of God and question the things that we hear and question the, the authority of it, but, but we need to continue to study it. If we're, if we're going to listen to the false teachers and read that, th those things, those who claim to be wise and those who claim to be knowledgeable, doesn't it make sense that we would also do due diligence and study the other side? That we would dig into what the Word of God says? that we would look at those who've devoted their lives to the, to the scriptures and, and see what they say about the word of God and, and truly study it. 
Paul is dealing with, with a group of people who have come to Christ. And the false teachers have moved him. We see this all the way through the New Testament. It's specifically, as we'll see in the next couple of weeks, these are Judaizers who are coming in saying, you've got to keep the law. It's not enough to be saved by grace. You've got to keep the dietary law and the ceremonial laws, and, and you've got to keep these things. And, and so Paul's leading them and showing them how to keep their eyes on Jesus. There was an old, I think, Scottish preacher who, who says... Um, who gives a prescription for all of us. He said, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Jesus. And I would say to you, for every look at the atheists, for every look at the, those who, who deny creation, for every look at those who, who go against the word of God, take 10 looks at Jesus. Take 10 looks into the word of God. Look him, at him. We need to be careful. The enemy is, is after us. He hates us. Our salvation and our worship of Jesus is a reminder to the enemy and to his demons that their days are numbered. It's a reminder to them that Jesus has triumphed over them through the cross. And so they seek to steal, kill, and destroy because they don't want us to live an abundant life. And many times they seek to steal, kill, and destroy through what Paul calls human truth. So last week we saw the first command of this text, and today we'll come to another one. But, but look first at the warning. There's a warning here. We see a lot of warnings in Paul's letters, but, but look at what he says in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it. That, that little phrase, see to it, might be better um, understood as watch out. Beware. Beware that no one takes you captive. In verse 4, he spoke of those who who seek to delude us with plausible arguments. And, and now he turns his attention to those who are trying to delude. He turns his attention to those who are trying to win you over with plausible arguments. Watch out for them. Parents, grandparents, we, we watch for our children. We, 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 we watch and we need to watch out for those who seek to influence them. We've got to train our students to to watch for those who seek to take their thoughts captive, to make them question the Word of God. We, we need to teach them to watch out. There's a warning. Watch out. But then there's a, what we might call the, the specifics of the warning. The specifics. See to it. Watch out that no one takes you captive. That phrase, takes you captive, is a rare word. It's not used often in the New Testament. It, the idea comes from war. It's when the enemy would, would take people back as captives. They would take them back for slavery. They would take them back as, as, as trophies. It was a spoil of victory. The image is akin to kidnapping. Watch out that no one kidnap you. Watch out that no one drag you away. When... When we have small children and we go into public places, we, we don't rest, do we? I guarantee you, Brandy and Huff don't, don't rest while Sloan's running around in a public place. I don't rest when Shepherd's out and about. I rest more with my adult children, but, but when our children were small, we, we watched because we were afraid that someone might take them captive. A video just the other day of a wife walking out with her four-year-old coming out of a CVS somewhere in the country, and, and someone just walked by and grabbed the child and tried to run away. Thankfully, the husband was there, and he got the child and tackled the man. Watch out. Watch out that no one take you captive. Watch for those who, who want to carry you away from the truth. Watch for those who who seek to make you a slave of error. 
how do we, how do they take us captive? Look what he says. Watch out. See that no one takes you captive by philosophy. Now, Paul's not here saying, as some would say, that all philosophy is bad. That's not his point. What Paul is saying is, is that there are those who have a philosophy that goes against God. The word philosophy is literally a love of wisdom. It's those two words, love and wisdom. It's a love of wisdom. It's, it, it's what it is, but this specific philosophy, Paul says, is, if you notice this, it's empty. It's deceitful. It's based on human tradition. It's not based on the Word of God. Any philosophy that starts with a foundation against God is not wisdom. I don't care what the knucklehead professor says. If it starts outside of God, it's not wisdom. Even the earliest Greek philosophers believed in a God. Maybe not the God of the Bible, but they believed in God. There was a God that lived on this earth. It was not atheistic in its principles. And so what we have to understand is we, we have to watch out for those because their wisdom, their quote wisdom, is empty. It's deceitful. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And yet the world trumps philosophers who are atheists as being those of the wise. Anytime you come across someone who, who denies the existence of God, anyone who denies the right of the Creator to tell us what to do, tread carefully, you're dealing with foolishness. You're dealing with fools who are seeking to take you captive, to deceive you. Basically, this human tradition is anything that is not according to Christ. That is not according to the Word of God. Paul extends the idea. He gives you three prepositional phrases here, and all of them start with the little word, according to. According to. Look what he says. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So this is what the empty philosophy is. It's according to human tradition. It's according to the elemental spirits. Now, unfortunately, the word elemental spirits is not a good translation. It's, it's elemental principles is the way it should be. The word speaks of any elementary principle of anything. So in elementary school, they take the elemental principles of math. They take the elemental principles of language, and they begin to teach those elemental principles. And so this is what Paul's talking about. Now, you say, well, how do I know it's not a good translation? That's a good question. It's not everybody can sit in Greek, and not everyone can sit through those, the, the languages. Um, it's good when you study. Let me just stop real quick and say, get a couple of translations. The ESV is a great translation. But they interpret words just like any other translation interprets words. And so when you look at it, read what, read what the King James says, the New King James. Read what the New American Standard Version says. You can get all of that online if you want. Read what, read what the, the, the modern translations say. Read, read what, the, what those translations say. And I'll give you an example. When you read this, you see elemental spirits of the world. And you go to the New American Standard Version, and it says... The elemental principles. They help define one another. Look at it and see, understand it. When you, when you get to chapter 2, verses 16 through 23, Paul is going to deal with those principles in more detail. It's basically human laws that deal with food, drink, special days, and seasons. The elemental principles are simply a way to add to the cross. To emphasize what we must do for God rather than what God has done for us. Christianity is about what God has done for us. Islam is about what you can do for God. Buddhism is what you can do. Every other religion is what you can do. But Christianity says this is what God has done. And through his power, here's how you live your life. As we look at the scripture, we understand that, that, that when they try to add to the cross and take away from Jesus, it's foolishness. 
when that comes at you, when others, when others offer you deeper ways to get to God. Even in Christian bookstores, deeper ways to get to God. When you find teaching that adds to God's grace, that focuses totally upon works, that's been Baptist preaching for years. Oh, yeah, you're saved by grace, but don't drink, don't chew, don't go with the girls that do. Now, I don't want to go with a girl that chews either, but understand. We have to be careful about adding to things that we must do to be saved. Not things that we do as we live our Christian life, but adding to it, trying to get into ways that we can somehow earn, as we saw last week, God's favor. When that comes at us, watch out. The enemy's trying to take you captive. He's trying to pull you away. So we see the warning, and you see the specifics of the warning, but look at the cure. Look at the cure. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When the empty philosophers come, when the deceitful philosophy comes, keep your eyes on Jesus. In verse 6, Paul said, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. It's interesting. I didn't make mention of this last week, but that word received there in verse 6, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, is different from the normal word for receive. That particular word is about receiving certain traditions. As you received, he's, and, and what he's saying is, is that, that we don't receive passed down traditions, we receive the person of Jesus. And he's comparing and contrasting that. He's, he's comparing the empty philosophy of false teachers with the glory of Jesus. Why would we chase after empty philosophy when we have the glory of the one in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells? Why go after the ones who claim to be a way to a deeper knowledge of God when you can go to the one who is God himself? That's what Paul is saying. It's incredible to see that, that Paul says, he's, he's already said it in verse 19. Look what he said. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now he says, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In the, in, in the incarnation, we had Jesus who was totally God and totally man. In the resurrection, we have Jesus with a glorified human body who is in the presence of God. And in that glorified body, we find in Jesus the whole fullness of deity. He's God. When you have Jesus, you have all wisdom available to you. When the Holy Spirit of Jesus comes to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God, I don't mean by that you are all wise. But you have all wisdom available to you because you have Jesus. When you have Jesus, you have everything. He is everything. My professor in seminary wrote a commentary on Colossians, and he said this, that when we have Jesus, we need to understand that Jesus has unshared supremacy and complete adequacy. Unshared supremacy, there's no one like him. And complete adequacy, he can do everything we need and more. You need no other man. You need no other philosophy. You need no other rule of life. Your focus is to be on the Lord Jesus Christ and his body, the church. Everything we need is found in him. I don't mean by that we don't use men's writings. I don't mean by that that we don't learn from those who have been gifted. But I mean by that that you trust in those who come from Christ to teach you about Christ. 
and not those who try to pull you away from Christ. Jesus said himself, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We've come to Jesus. We've come to Jesus. So many want to play with the teachings of Jesus. They want to handpick the teachings of Jesus. The words of the Sermon on the Mount that we're reading in our services are hard, aren't they? We read them as we hear the words of Jesus, and they shock us even today. We don't just get to pick and choose the teachings of Jesus or some aspect of Jesus that we want. When we come to Jesus, we receive Christ Jesus the Lord. The promised Messiah, the one who came to the earth, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, and who is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who we follow. We don't demand what he does. We don't get to re re-picture who he is. He is who he is. And we bow the knee before him. That's the cure. And the world and his empty philosophy, listen, would rather crucify you than pick up the cross and follow Jesus with you. Don't expect the world today to think that you're so wise because you follow Jesus. Our own children will tell us we're foolish. Because the world has done a number on their minds. Keep clinging to the truth of who Jesus is. Don't settle for the empty to the seed of the world when you can have the light of the world. There's one more thing here that's interesting to me. You find the warning, you find the specifics, you find the cure, it's Jesus. But in verse 10, you find the fullness. Look at what he says. And in, well, let's go back to verse 9 for a second. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Just as we saw last week, we were rooted in him and we are being built up in him. Just as we saw that we're established by God, so we are filled in Jesus by the Father through the Spirit. There's a play on words here that's, that's hard to say in English, but he, he speaks of fullness and filled. Fullness and filled. The fullness of deity and now you're filled in him. The elementary principles and the angels. Jesus, he says, is the head. He's the head of all rule and authority. As if, it's, it's as if Paul's saying, you have Jesus. He's in you. Don't settle for man's traditions. Don't settle for angels. Live the supernatural life that comes along with being filled in Jesus. Somewhere along the line, we've just got to ask ourselves, in the midst of church with smoke machines and lights and all that's going on, praise God for this place. In the midst of all that's going on in the world today, when is Jesus going to be enough? When is Jesus going to be seen and lived as if he's truly the king of kings? And we don't need anything else because we know what it is to be content in the presence of our God. This is union with Christ. I know I keep talking about it, but it's union with Christ. The question is, 
With water we're filled. With water we're filled. In him you have the fullness. You're filled. You're filled in him. But what does he mean? In chapter 1, verse 9, he prays that we would be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As if Paul's saying, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for you to have knowledge of his will. I'm praying for you to have understanding and, and wisdom. I'm praying for this, but the answer to my prayer is Jesus. Being filled in him. In Ephesians 3.19, he prays that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Oh. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a prayer. That we humans could be filled with all the fullness of God. The treasure of this life is not found in the secrets of man's philosophy. It is found in Christ and in Christ alone. This Jesus, Paul says, is the head of all rule and authority. He's the head, the head of the body. He's the head of the rule, the, the rulers and the authority, the teachers of, who were coming after them. As we'll see, the false teachers were, were pushing. They were pushing for the worship of the things of earth. They were pushing you to worship human tradition. They were pushing them to worship even angels in chapter 2, verse 18. Even today, we hear people who say they pray to the saints. <laughs> that they pray to angels for help. They pray to Mary. Why on earth would I pray to a saint or an angel? Or Mary herself, when I can come into the presence of Jesus. It's just trying to get us away from the truth, to sound holy. Every time in the Bible that someone tried to worship an angel, the angel said, don't do that. Get up. Worship God. And if Mary could come back from heaven to speak to you when you pray to her, you know what she'd say? Stop praying to me. Pray to my son. He's the Messiah. Jesus is the head of all rule and authority. Rule and authority. Piper pointed out to the fact that there are four other places that God uses these, or Paul uses these words together. Rule and authority. So let me just close by showing you these four places and see what it means when we say we're filled in him and that's enough. In chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 16, Paul says, For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. This is what he says. All things were created through him and for him. Why pray to the created thing when you can pray to the creator? He created all things and he has authority over them. So we don't seek the created thing and we don't seek it or worship it. We worship Jesus. Colossians 2.15 he disarmed the rulers and authorities, same words, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We'll see this in the next couple of weeks. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And while Satan is still the God of this age, we understand he is a disposed monarch. We don't understand all the ramifications of Jesus' rule because sometimes it seems as if Satan is still in charge. And, and in many ways, he's still running rampant to and fro, seeking someone to devour. We can't see all that comes from the cross. But ultimately, Jesus is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And, and we have no business worshiping anything created or made up by man. We worship Jesus. Ephesians 1.21 Paul comes to the end of this great chapter in Ephesians 1 about our union with Christ. He, 
He shows you over and over again what we are in him. He prays for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, that we would know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power. He says, the the power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in heaven, that power's in you. And then he said, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Jesus is far above everything. Worship him. Let the philosophy of your life center in Jesus your king. Everything comes out of him. One more verse, Ephesians 6, 12. It's right in the midst of the armor. He's talking about the spiritual battles that we face. And he says, you would put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then he says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's our battle. We fight in the one who was already one. You hear me? We fight our battle in the one who has already won the victory. We come to him. We're fighting a battle. So here's the warning. Be careful about what you read. Be careful about what you listen to and what you watch. Parents and grandparents, you fight for your children's safety Watch over the things they see. Don't just assume that because it's a video game, it's okay. Look and see what's coming on that. The biggest danger we can do is give our kids an iPhone at too young of an age. The biggest mistake Kim and I made, we made Hannah wait till ninth grade to get an iPhone. We let each child get one at a younger age before, after. And it's the biggest mistake I made in parenting. Kids, boys, first exposure to pornography now averages at the age of eight years old. We are killing our kids spiritually with distractions. Girls are going home and being bullied on social media. Guys are being bullied. It is a world that in the years to come, we will look back and wonder what we were thinking. Parents, fight for your children's safety. Do what you have to do with screen time and other things to protect them, to keep them away from the enemy. The things they watch, the the time they spend on the screens. Do y'all remember when the weather was pretty and you got up and ate breakfast and you went outside? My mama's rule was you come back in when the street lights are on. Some of you grew up before street lights. But you stayed. I mean, around in your neighborhood. Not in the city, in your neighborhood. Frank grew up before electricity. I mean, but just, uh, uh. but you remember, we were outside. We, we made decisions. We learned to protect ourselves. We learned to, to avoid certain things. We, kids now just rather sit in front of the TV. Be careful. Don't let them be taken captive by the world. But you know what? Parents, you're being taken captive. I sit at a restaurant on any given time, and 99% of the couples who sit at the table aren't talking anymore. They're scrolling their phones. You're being taken captive. Watch out. Watch out. And look to Jesus. Do I have a phone? Yes. Yes. But I'll watch the screen tone.
I watch it because I know what the enemy's trying to do. And while I can go to Africa and I can encounter witch doctors and you can encounter the demonic there in ways that we may think that we don't encounter here, Satan doesn't have to have witch doctors here. He's got us distracted with things like phones and TVs and sports. Keeps us out of the Word. Keeps us out of Jesus. And keeps making us go to the latest thing that might make us happy. Watch out. Amen? Watch out. Would you bow your heads? Is there something in your life that, I think I asked you this last week, but is there something in your life that's pulling you away? Do you find yourself with less desire for the Word? Less desire for prayer, less desire to be around the body of Christ? You find more joy in the world than you find, watch out. There are good things. There are good things. Bread's a good thing, but too much of it? Watch out. Meat's a good thing, but too much of it? Be careful. Watch out. What is it that the Spirit's saying to you? When I say watch out, what's in your life that, that's there? Find some help. Find some accountability. I don't want us to sing today. I, I just want you to spend the next few moments letting the Spirit speak to you through what you've heard in His Word. If you need to do something public, we'll be here to help you. You can just come now. We'll meet you here. But for the rest of you, what's pulling you away? Is it a bottle or a pill? Is it a screen? Is it a podcast? A news show? A sports show? Is it a friend? just encourage you again to be in the Word. See Jesus for who He is, high and lifted up. And by His Spirit, learn to worship Him. Father, forgive us when we let other things rob us when we let other things distract us, when like C.S. Lewis, we, we're like children content to make mud pies when we could be at the ocean. Help us, Father, to see your glory and to turn to you and worship you. We pray for our children our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. The world is pulling at them. And we know, Lord, that you're more concerned with them than we are. So give us a burden to pray for them daily. I pray for my own girls. I pray for my grandsons that they would love you and walk in your spirit. God, we pray that each of us would see generation after generation of our, of our folks who come after us loving you. Let us not be satisfied because they're successful in business.
We want that for them. But that's not what we seek. We seek you. We pray that you would call up those who would give their lives to follow you with everything they have. May we set the example. As we go out into this world today, may we learn to live for your glory. May we turn off the world. May we open up your word and pour it into our life. May we take those moments and listen to you and learn from you and see your glory and worship you and make much of you. Help us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you again for being here and encourage you to drop a note to Sandra. Let her know how much you appreciate her and what she's done and um, and then also encourage you to contact your state representatives and, and also your state senator this next week to encourage them to vote down this gambling bill. Thank you for being here. If you go home now, you miss a very important hour. Sunday school is that place where we get the Word of God taught on our level, but it's also the place where we make friendships, relationships, and it's the place where ministry takes place in our church. We, we had someone recently that had been gone for several weeks, and it took me about three weeks to say, huh, I haven't seen them lately. Reached out to the Sunday school teacher, and she told me exactly where she's been and what was going on. And I reached out to her and said, I just want you to know I've missed you. And I don't ever want to say, hey, I've missed you. And they say, I've been here all last, what are you talking about? I'm here every week. So I made sure that I was... But it takes sometimes us three or four weeks in this service to notice who's not here. It's just because of how many are here. But Sunday school is a place where people notice. So ask somebody. Tim's going to be in the foyer. Um, if you haven't heard, our student minister turned 60 today. <laughs> Benny Bowman's now at Mount Pisgah. He's the only student minister I know older than Mark in the whole world. And, uh, <laughs> but tell Mark happy birthday. If you would like to see, we're having a baptism in the very first of the first service. So after your Sunday school is over, if you'd like to come in the back and watch, there'll be a baptism of a young man who grew up in a different tradition and has come to Christ and is going to be baptized. So thank you so much for being here. Let's, let's just be dismissed with a handshake or a hug. Let everybody know you miss them. Our ushers are at the door. Please give faithfully to them.